Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? Would it be uh, trite to say I'm bloody awesome tonight, JB? Because I am feeling good, my friend. Ready to talk some films tonight. Um, Do you know what? As we'll find out later on in the episode, it's been, in the UK, it's very, very quiet in the cinematic landscape until that until well now basically it all changes it's been a very quiet week over here in the uk film wise but um i'm here to make a little bit of noise on behalf of the country but first i must know how you doing i'm doing okay man i've been uh i've got so many movies uh this weekend alone in fact as soon as we're done recording i'm gonna eat dinner and then i'm gonna go see the menu um oh yes uh, you know, I, I just saw a couple of screenings. Um, I've got a, my inbox is filling up with FYC, uh, content. I'm hoping I'm about to have a week off because it's Thanksgiving break here in the States. Um, so I'm hoping to, uh, be able to knock out some of these movies that I've been, that are piling up on me. Um, these are good problems to have when you're a film fan. Uh, it's exciting yeah. times. Um, and, uh, it's always great because we're recording this the day after I got to see a movie that, I loved so much and it was exactly what I, I needed. Sometimes you see a bunch of movies and they're just like, they're putting you in the other direction where you're like, maybe I don't love movies. Maybe, maybe I used to love movies and I've watched too many. And then every once in a while, a movie will be like, no, no, sometimes something can yeah. really like, exactly just right. Um, but uh, I'm also sitting here with my first, uh, from a store, peppermint mocha latte. Uh, Tell me all. Today is the first cold day we've had since early october it was 55 degrees this morning and it stayed in like the 60s all day which is very cool for uh, florida um so i was like i'm gonna get a hot coffee usually i do iced coffee or a cold brew when we're on the show but i got a, a hot peppermint mocha from my usual stop i'm not gonna say where because matt i was like i would like a donut but i don't want a full donut yeah. I was like, oh yeah they have munchkins i always forget about the donut holes right and so I look and they have a three pack. I'm like, perfect. Three little donut holes is all I need. And I don't care what flavors because they're just donut holes. It doesn't matter. So as per usual, I order online, hoping to make it easier. It never seems to because they don't read the order, dude. I don't know what the deal is. Like they look at the first line, which is the coffee, but then they don't look at what else is there. So when they hand me the coffee, they're looking at me like, aren't you leaving? And I'm like, aren't you giving me the thing I paid for? <laughs> and the lady's like, oh, what'd you get? I'm like the the donut holes and she's like oh how many i'm like this is really your job but three i got three <laughs> and i knew the second i said three that i wasn't gonna get three because this is what happens she brings me a like a medium drink cup full of donut holes so there's got to be like 12 like okay, way more than now three. we're talking i didn't want 12 though matt but I, I have 12 um but i gotta say the one that surprised me i think there was a raspberry like jelly munchkin that was real good. Like, I think I'm, uh, I might have to start going jelly donuts. I never, I haven't really been a big jelly donut guy, but. There you go. See, if you'd got your actual order, you would never have known the uh, know. beauty of a jelly donut, JB. I, you know say- what? I need to start going out more often before we start the show. I'm going to have to go to a drive in and drive through and get something. So I have these stories too. It, you're, it, to be fair, mine's like four o'clock in the afternoon. It's like nine o'clock for you. So it's, it's a little well, different. Donuts, like, I'll do anything. Fair. I'm on my way home. Uh, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to swing in. I need some caffeine before we record. Got to energize. Um, 
but yeah, uh, so again, I, I didn't name the place, although if you've listened long enough, you know what I'm talking about, because I don't want them to get in trouble, but they do, they just toss donuts at me, it, you know, I'm just like, and I didn't eat all 12, I want to put that out there, I did get like 12, but I only ate like, I probably ate six, to be fair, because I was like three, okay, three more is fine, um, but you know, uh, sometimes we got to indulge a little bit, but I'm right. Um, but folks, we're not here to talk about donuts or coffee. Um, however, I do usually take my coffee black, and tonight we're talking Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, I just realized how many places you changed the name in our our spreadsheet, <laughs> our, our document. Um, if you didn't know, folks, the newest Marvel movie has dropped in theaters. Black Panther. Wakanda Forever, directed by Ryan Coogler, written by Coogler and Joe Robert Cole. Um, the cast has got one major gap, and that's if you are, again, you got to be living in a, under a rock at this point, but Chadwick Boseman passed away a couple years ago. Uh, the big speculation when he died was, how are they going to continue on the Black Panther legacy? The character in the comics is passed on, so it actually fits into the continuity, but there was a lot of, do you kill him off? Do you recast? There was a lot of debates about how to handle T'Challa in the universe with Chadwick gone. So Chadwick, obviously not in this film, but we still have uh, Leticia Wright as Suri, Lupita Nyong'o as uh, Nakia, Denai Guerrera as Okoye. I know how to say it normally, and then now I'm looking at it like, nope, don't know how to say that word. Winston Duke might be my favorite to come out of this franchise. I love him in both movies. As M'Baku, Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams, Angela Bassett, powerhouse in this film as Ramonda, the the queen of wakanda and martin freeman as Everett k ross and some other people there's this is a packed movie um yeah. i just realized somehow i didn't get uh namor on here but i, I don't know if that's technically it's not a spoiler because he's all over the marketing but just in case namor is in this movie folks uh we'll, oh, we'll look his actor name up here Quetta magia i did that on purpose so matt had to say it uh the yeah, people of wakanda fight to protect their home from an, an intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. Uh, 84% Rotten Tomato critic score, 95 audience score, so audience is a little hotter on this than the critics. 67 meta score to give it more framing of where critics are falling. They're leaning in the middle range like of uh, the ratings. 7.4 IMDb user rating, 3.8 on Letterboxd. This is currently only in theaters, although, of course, at some point it will end up on Disney+, Plus, but not for a while, I would imagine, because it's doing yeah. pretty well in the box office. So, I mentioned Chadwick Boseman up front, and for me, this movie was never able to overcome his absence. Um, and I don't take that as a, a, a negative thing towards him. I think it was in huge obstacle and a huge loss with Bozeman leaving, um, not leaving, dying and thus leaving the, 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 the film because he it was excellent. He was so charming. So charismatic in every movie in the MCU that he was a part of. Um, and this movie is dealing with the loss of T'Challa. And for me, it did, it did hold it back. There was just something that I never fully, uh, was able to get over. It's not, the movie doesn't do anything wrong. I don't think the movie's, um, an issue. And the other part of it that I think kept me at a little bit of a distance from loving this movie was Leticia Wright and a lot of the stories surrounding her in the production of this film and some of her, you know, uh, controversy might be a bit strong. She hasn't done anything tremendously horrible that I can recall, mm-hmm. but there was still that that baggage that was just keeping me like, I really miss Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Um, as far as the film itself, though, I do find it 
mostly engaging. I thought it was, um, there's some really cool visuals, some cool stuff. Again, the CG, and I, I said this with Aquaman, and I will stand by this. You can't make people look cool underwater. Like, when they're fighting, <laughs> looks awesome. When they're standing and doing normal, mundane things, they look goofy. It just does. And I, I, that's not, I don't think the movie is doing it wrong. I just think it looks stupid. I think it looks stupid in Aquaman. I think it looks stupid here. Um, every time they're just hanging out underwater with their hair, like, flapping in their face, and they're, like, wadding, like, they're, like, moving in the waves, it just looks dumb. It looks silly. I would rather them just be standing like they were on the surface than them trying to act like they're in the waves because it just looks, it looks silly. Um, I think the story is solid. I think the uh, the effects are. I don't think there was anything as glaringly bad as some of the effects in the first Black Panther. Like I think there are two yeah, scenes in the first Black bad. Panther. Yeah, that were real bad, and I think there's some here that are still shaky. But it felt like maybe Coogler has a better grip on how to handle the VFX this time around mm-hmm. than he did the first time. Um, which is understandable. This is only his fourth movie, which I think that's not stated enough. Like, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Made insanely great movies, and this is only his fourth. Like, uh, <laughs> wild to think that. But, um, I uh, there's, I think there's a lot going on in this movie, and I think that does hurt it a little bit because there's so many different uh, pieces at work. I do think they're managed fairly well, and it's definitely engaging. When I say I don't love this. I strongly like this. Like I'm giving it four out of five stars kind of thing. This isn't a, Oh, this is Marvel falling off. I do think though that Marvel is starting to feel a bit much. Um, Uh And I'm a, I've, I've been a strong advocate for it, but we had three movies, several series this year. And while you don't have to watch all of them, um, I do think it's starting to like feel a little bit of a burden at times um, because okay. there is so much connectivity and so much going on. Cause even in this movie, there are scenes where it's like, this scene is only here for the whole thing, not for this movie. It's not here to serve this film in a way that feels necessary. And when you're already doing so many different pieces, because you're, and again, to Coogler's credit, this was probably not the story he ever intended to tell with black. Of course, Paper yeah. So he's adjusting, he's he's having to retcon things or adjust things to where he wants them to go, setting up groundwork for future Black Panther movies, but also for tons of other MCU stuff. And it's it's starting to, I think you're starting to feel that weight um, hurting the individual films themselves more and more as the universe gets bigger and bigger and they keep having to expand and try to justify and this was the first time they've had to really deal with the loss of a, of an actor. I mean, if you want to get technical, uh, Terrence Howard was Brody and then it's Don Cheadle and Iron Man too. But that was like, okay, we don't know how big this is going to get. Now this universe is so big and there's so many people invested in this. If an actor leaves or if another actor dies, which of course we don't know when that could happen. This is, you know, maybe, maybe the downside of having such a connected universe, right? It's like one domino piece falls, one card falls and the entire thing could crumble down. And while I think they do a good job of keeping this afloat, it was noticeable that Bozeman's not there, at least to me. So um, I think Black Panther does some Wakanda forever to, to be more accurate to which film Mm -hmm. we're talking about. I think it does some really cool stuff. I actually really love Riri Williams and her introduction to the universe. And I hope that gets to continue. I don't know if she's going to be in the um, Don Cheadle 
movie that the I forget what it's called, like Armor Corps. Oh, uh, Armor Wars or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm hoping she's going to be in that, but I, I, I was like, yes, I'm this this actress, uh, Dominique Thorne, has lots of chemistry. I thought she was really powerful, felt strong and independent. And in considering all the other things happening in this movie, it's like the fact that she even was able to stand out was, I think, a really good sign. Um, and again, I love, I, I mean, so much of this film. Uh, I've heard some people raving about Angela Bassett where like she this is her Oscar performance I think she's fantastic in this I just I, I'm always going to be skeptical with the Oscars giving any comic book movie an Oscar unless we like the Heath Ledger scenario right where somebody died Black Panther yeah. got recognition but only because it was groundbreaking to have this big of a, a cast of, of black people which is a shame that I can say that sentence and be accurate, but nevertheless, um, I I would be very surprised if this is finally when Angela Bass is going to get her recognition. Although, not saying she doesn't deserve it, I just would be surprised. Yeah, I think Angela Bassett. I think she. I think she slays in this film in her in the yeah. role she's given. Yes. Again, no spoilers, of course, guys. But I think she's very very good. But um, considering we've seen Mia Goth, you're Goth, I'm a Goth, Mia Goth. You see, Mia Goff give a like powerhouse performance this year, and even then, we're thinking, yeah, the, yeah. the Oscars aren't going to go for this genre stuff. So kind of makes me think Angela Bassett has even less of a chance. Um, but the film itself is doing well. It's currently sitting at three hundred fifty-five million dollars worldwide. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm expecting seven figures for this. Um, I think that makes a billion. But I have to think about that. But uh, this film, I liked Black Panther. I thought the first film was was very good. I thought Chadwick Boseman. Um, brought a real presence to the film and of course Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger was fantastic in that and yeah. obviously the and culturally how important that film was it, that, that was a movement you don't really get many films or many moments like that in popular culture but Black Panther felt like a movement um, so Ryan Coogler like you say in only his fourth film had to basically deliver a sequel that was on par with one of the biggest films of all time, one of the most successful films of all time, and one of the most celebrated films of all time, culturally. Yeah. yeah. Over to you, Ryan. I think he did a really good job. I really liked Wakanda Forever. Like you, it's not perfect. Uh, I know people roll their eyes when people say that, you know, but it isn't. It's, far, it's too long. It's way too long. It's two hours, 41 minutes by the second act or you know by halfway through this film really it hits a wall for and for me quite badly hits a wall and it struggles to recover its pacing and momentum afterwards leading into the third act which has some cruel moments in it except when it turns into the third act you'd expect from a a big film like this you know it gets a bit ott it gets a bit chaotic when in fact there was a far more in far more compelling story going on within this conflict which i would have rather seen more of that um i think the action in this i think was really very good i think the cg was better this time around i agree with you the underwater stuff i yeah yeah i'm with you it's very hard to make that look good you know i'm very interested for avatar the way of water to see how cameron's oh yeah pull that off but obviously watching this film made me think of Avatar quite a lot. Um, and I, I liked that in certain scenes. Again, again, guys, this isn't a spoiler, but when how they how they lit the underwater scenes, I thought sometimes they did quite well when they kept yeah. it. Uh, you know, they it was very shady. It's like, okay, let's, we're not, we don't want to show too much so we can get away with this. But when we, when we get a bit further in, 
it looks visually very nice, but when you start adding um, species into it, then it gets a bit. It, it doesn't it doesn't work as well for me. Um, and that whole those whole sequences really bog the film down. I think the film was best when it focused on Wakanda, when it focused on Shuri's struggle, when it focused on Queen Ramonda. Uh, and Riri Williams uh, and um, Okoye, you know, f- just focus on Wakanda here. I know they, like you said, you've got to set up the universe. You've got to add in characters and places that you can reference later on down the line. But I kind of wish they hadn't in this film because it, it, it was so, so powerful at times when it was just characters dealing with grief, you know, well-written characters dealing with, probably very real grief as well on the set of this film, revisiting this particular um, film, this sequel, and knowing that their king wasn't there, Chadwick Boseman wasn't there. You've got to imagine that some of the emotion you saw on screen was was real. Because um, it was a big hole. Uh, I think Chadwick Boseman was a, was a fantastic actor. He just, in his, his last few roles, Amar Rainey's Black Bottom, excellent. The Five Bloods, very good. Uh, Marshall, uh, 42, now, he's very good in, even if the films he mm-hmm. was in weren't always the best, he was always very good in them. He was he, always good. He was an he was a very fine talent cut short. And the way they dealt with it in this film, I actually think they did that very, very tastefully. There was no, I, I didn't find it manipulative. I know some people did. I did mm-hmm. not. Um, I didn't either. I, I, I can see why people may say that, but I didn't. I think it was done really well. Um, yeah, the performances are good. Letitia Wright, I see what you're saying, John. I totally hear what you're saying in terms of the whole production issues some say i mean she she said uh, letitia right actually came out and said you know don't believe anything you've heard i was injured i got an injury that's why we had to shut down production but mm-hmm. i mean i don't know what to believe either way i thought she Same. was really good at this actually I, yeah really, i didn't say that no, no, sorry yeah. no, no, I've, i know that um you you were saying that i know you weren't saying she wasn't in any way good in oh. this but it was um, yeah, I'm just. I meant to say, I should have said that she still performs very well. I don't have any issues yeah. with her. Oh performance. no, I took that. I took that from what you said. Yeah. That you, you you bought into that performance, and I think I did think she was actually really good because I, you've got to imagine, like you say, this role was expanded upon probably from what it would have been had um, Chadwick still been with us. He would have thought that his role would have been expanded. They would have given Sherry more to do, but obviously in this film, she gets an awful lot more to do. Um, but you know, I, I, well, Winston Duke. I, I, I can't not mention Winston Duke. He's great. Winston Duke's and Baku is great. I think actually on that, I think the comedy worked in this. This isn't a film which is it's not you know sl- s- um, smothered in comedy. But when when they do it, it's an interaction between characters or um, or just in Baku. Basically, I thought the, I did think the comedy worked. I don't think there's really any moments when I thought nah, that didn't work. The things that didn't yeah. work for me were. Oh, that sounds awful, but were the MCUisms? Uh, Ross, I love Martin Freeman, but his character and um, I can't remember her name now. Uh, who's in the film? Um, uh, his ex, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the character. She was introduced in um, yeah. Black Widow. I can't remember her name. Oh, those those scenes smacked of reshoots. Absolutely mm. smacked of reshoots, and we've got it. We've got to fit this in somehow. I saw a comment online, which, as much as I love, enjoyed this film, I can't disagree with, and it said something along the lines of, "Why did it feel like these two actors had literally just come on set and been told their lines because, or they were reading off a cue card because there was, you know, there was nothing there." I thought those scenes yep. stunted the momentum of the film as well. 
I just wish I'd cut down on it. I just wish I'd cut back on some of those moments a little bit more and let's focus on, you know, Wakanda forever. Let's focus on that side of it. I get it, John. As you said, you've got to, you have to set up this world. I do think Feige is, I know he's delegated more now because there's just too much to do. I have felt that in this phase, things haven't felt quite as connected. And I, I know they said that phase four isn't going it, to, it's not going to feel quite as um, linear as the other phases did, the Infinity Saga did. They, they've said that. But it does also feel like that sometimes. It does kind of feel like they're pumping out so much that not all of it feels as vital. But, you know, they, they almost feel that, like that obligation to watch it. The films don't feel quite as connected. I know we're getting to the, the Kang dynasty, but I, I guess we are. I know Ant-Man's going to yeah. deal with that, but it's just, I'm cool. guessing we're going to get there. But, John, I did like uh, Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Um, like you, um, I've given it a four out of five, which which for me, just double that, is an eight out of ten. I, th- I thought, I thought, I think I put it in my review that it struggles under the weight of itself. It, 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 it tries to cram so much in, but when it needs to, for me, it delivers, and it really uh, honoured Chadwick Boseman's legacy in a fantastic way, whilst also furthering, you know, the core stories of these main characters. So I think it was a very successful job. Yeah, and I, I want to uh, kind of second, like, a lot of the things I referenced were exactly those two characters' interactions. And <laughs> with the connectivity, I'm actually okay with the movie not connecting. What I would rather not see, though, is a movie with these moments where it feels like you are trying to force the connection. Like if it just felt like a standalone movie, I'm good with that because later if, if black Panther shows up in another movie, I still know who black Panther is. I don't have to have this weird connective tissue because they exist. And, and that's, I think always going to be one of the complaints whenever you do a movie like justice league or Avengers. And then you go to like a Spider-Man film and there's a major like world dominating kind of threat. You're going to go, well, where is everybody else? Like, why aren't yep. they here? And that's always going to be an issue. But, you know, like, that's why I, I, every movie doesn't need to have a world ending event. Like, this is very Wakanda centric, right? Everything is about Wakanda. There is a looming threat that uh, Namor presents. But the actual conflict in the film is is Namor and his world versus Wakanda specifically with a potential spillover there. But the spillover yep. is is a threat that Wakanda is trying to keep. So you don't need all of that other stuff because the, the conflict is isolated. It's a small scale to this world. It's not quite the street level hero stuff that we're going to see from like a Daredevil movie or Daredevil yeah, no, show. No, no, no. But it's still very, it's compacted. It, it, everyone doesn't have to know about it, which means we, we're okay with not seeing some of that stuff. We're okay with it just being the Wakanda people fighting the other people. Like, it would work. So I, I do, I wish sometimes Marvel would pull back and just, like, let this movie breathe, you know? We get that they're they're connected. We At this point especially, we understand <laughs> without having to, like, because you could even, again, throw a side reference, because just Riri Williams having essentially an Iron Man suit Let's us know that we're in the same universe, right? Like that's enough. You don't have to have. That is enough, yeah. And and I, I didn't actually mention. I know I mentioned her. Sorry, John. But I thought I said I thought she was good. I think she, I think she was good. The suit you've mentioned, though, I'm not so sure. And how and what they and how they garb up Okoye later in the film, I'm not so oh, sure. Yeah, uh, the design of that. Sure. Oh, yeah. I know it's comic accurate, but. We're not dealing with the comics here, and I know that pains some people. These are based on the comics. Maybe make it look a little better for the screen, if I could say so. Same yeah. with Namor as well. 
comic actor. I think I'm actually saying, I think Namor, I think he's great in this film. I think Kugler knows how to write villains or anti-heroes. Yeah, he does. Whatever you want to call them. And I think Namor, at times he's, you know, you, you, you know, I kind of think in this guy's, you know, this guy's the real deal. I mean, he's just, he, this guy really brings, you know, chaos with him, but, but real kind of stakes with what he's doing as well. Um, however, I did think his design, <laughs> I know I get flack for this, but I think I looked a bit daft with the wings on his ankles. And again, I know it's comic accurate, but I just couldn't get around the way the way he looked when he was flying. I thought this doesn't something about I, it doesn't look right. Some I like when he like kind of like jumps in the in the sky. Like mm-hmm. I don't understand how mm-hmm. it works, but like it looks cool. It's kind of like when uh, Henry Cavill like like reloaded his arms. Um, it doesn't really make any sense, but it looked really cool. Like, I thought that was the cool part. But, yeah, just the regular flying, I'm like, okay, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's, it's little things like that which don't impact my enjoyment necessarily. But for me, it was very hard not to notice that. Um, music was good as well. I think Ludwig Johansson did a good score, uh, did another good score. And uh, I think the soundtrack itself was, was pretty good. I mean, for the vast majority of the film, JB, like you've said, it's, it's very good. It's, it's very, very, very enjoyable. Um I, I just think I wish they trimmed a little bit of time off to tighten this up a little bit. I know the original was still also fairly on. long, but yeah. I do think you could have toned a little bit back. But I think the surprises you get are very good. The The emotion, I think, is is genuine, is authentic. Most of the action's good, and the comedy's very decent, John. And th- th- I felt like there were stakes as well. I kind of, you didn't really know necessarily who was going to live, who's going to, who's not. Um, and some of the action as well was quite brutal at times, which yeah. did, I did not I, I did not um, expect. But I mean, that will be for the spoiler review more. But no, I, I enjoyed it, my friend. I, I wasn't so sold in the trailers, believe it or not. But I did actually come out of this really enjoying it. Well, there you go, folks. That's our review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever in theaters right now. But let's move on to our next segment where we talk chuff headlines, movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Matt, what headline grabbed you this week? My friend, I've gone for a headline from Variety, written by Clayton Davis, uh, Mr. Clayton Davis. Um, it's a film which I'm very much looking forward to because I've enjoyed the director's filmography, though it took me a while with one of them. The headline, John, is Babylon brings cocaine fueled orgies, elephant feces and blackface to the Oscar Ugh race yeah paramount pictures latest will face an uphill battle in the awards race for margot robbie brad pitt and diego calva now of course this is the latest film or the upcoming film from damien chazelle uh, of whiplash la la land first man fame and um, guy and madeline sit on a bench as well it's a we're talking about films that are long john this is a big old beefy boy this is 188 minutes long this is three hours long this film is and i have uh, and i've seen some of the script for this film it is every bit as wild as it seems and um just reading through the article here there it it seems like this film is going to be very highly um divisive john which seems to be a uh which seems to be a, a thing in hollywood at the minute they the the article says pretty much that Damien Chazelle, because of his success, he's an Oscar-winning director. Because of his success, he's been given carte blanche with his stories uh, of what he wants to do, and they're kind of saying, "I think it's going to end here." Oh, because uh, he says the, the script might be too much; it might be too out there. This is just the. Uh, by the way, this is just the opinion, of course, of Clayton Davis at Variety. But he's saying 
some of the underwritten characters played by POC were problematic to him. Obviously, the blackface scene merits a larger discussion. Uh, some some of the characters are given short shrift ahead, uh, whereas others are pushed forward a little bit more. Um, it's it's an over apparently it's a complete like assault on the senses, drug addiction, alcohol, sex, orgies, um, anything else that you can think of to probably go along with that. And the, and the article's kind of saying as well that with awards season coming up and Paramount kind of, you know, shuffling in Top Gun Maverick as their big, op- as their big, um, uh, more biggest prospect here at the awards, they're kind of saying that old, older voters, if they even watch it, will maybe a little bit squeamish about sex and bodily fluids that are going on in this film. Whereas the, whereas the younger demographic may not be as bothered, but remember the Academy love a film about old Hollywood, which is what Babylon is all about. It's about the golden age of Hollywood, but done through this kind of very, very strange lens. But um, the trailers have kind of backed this up a bit. The trailers look, really really quite strange um considering how for me how focused his other chazelle's other films have been la la land spectacular whiplash unbelievably good even first man upon rewatch a few times now it's a very focused film whether or not it's everybody's favorite it's very focused there's a purpose to it this film feel it already feels like it's going to be divisive just from the trailers it feels like it's going to be bonkers uh, having seen the trailers, like I know you have as well, I don't know really what to make of it. I don't know if I'm if I I can't say I've watched it and thought, damn, I I can't wait to see this. I'm not watching it thinking, oh, that looks awful, but it it, it does look very bonkers. And you know, Margot Robbie said that the character she plays was you know an app was draining on her because it was just so she had to put so much into it, and they were discussing whether or not she can potentially displaced Kate Blanchett, Viola Davis, uh, Daniel Deadweiler, Michelle Williams, Michelle Yeoh for the Best Actress no, um, nominations, considering that the Academy do like Margot Robbie because she's a very good actress. But um, John, Babylon then. I'm I'm, ex- I'm I'm anticipating the film because it's Damien Chazelle. That's always going to get me in. Yeah. Chazelle, Justin Hurwitz, apparently his score is f- fantastic again. He was robbed for First Man. The trailers look wild. The is that is from, from what I know, the overall reaction from those who have seen it is very split on it. Some think it's, you know, a, a bonkers masterpiece. Others think it's a bonkers, you know, piece of garbage. What are you thinking about Babylon from the trailers? And now obviously seeing here, reading well, this from Clayton Davis, you know, what's your thoughts on the film? I get to see it on December 5th. Um, I just cool. replied to, uh, to my screening invite. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see it. Uh, that said, I'm I'm gonna take what we just discussed. Obviously, anytime you decide to depict a, an actor in blackface, it is instantly problematic. The only justification I could even imagine Chazelle having is that it's set in old Hollywood, and he's n- it, this movie seems to be attacking old yes. Hollywood. Um, yes. Which, when we were told what Babylon was going to be before. I thought this was going to be a love letter to Hollywood, like La La Land kind of is. So I was very surprised. Yeah, when the trailer dropped, I was like, oh, this is not what I was expecting Chazelle to do. Um, I love Brad Pitt. I love Margot Robbie. So I'm kind of in for them alone. Um, And it does, it, it feels like 
Hail Caesar on Coke mixed with a. It, it feels like Hail Caesar if Tarantino directed it. Like that's the vibe the trailer gave me. Good show. Um, which I I will point out the two things I said back to back are kind of the same, but I I'm definitely you know hopeful. It does the trailers insane. Like it 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 feels like a fever dream when you watch it and. That's not a bad thing. Um, I am curious, though, because I, I have not rewatched First Man, and I, I honestly have no desire to rewatch First Man other than you now kind of backing it because we didn't like it at first. And I, it's I one think of the. I gave it a seven out of 10, I think, on my first watch. Really? I think, which was, I, think I did. If I, if I go back to that, I think it was seven or maybe six and a half, maybe. But, but I did say <sighs> comparatively, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't near the standards yeah. of the first two. But on rewatch, there's a silent. There's something really silent beauty to that film, which I really, really gravitate to. I mean, I love Gosling, and at that time, I was really, I was so hyped for that movie because I love La La Land and I love Whiplash, Mm. so I was like, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. And I remember, I feel like I may may have fallen asleep, or at least I was falling asleep. (laughs) Um, And sometimes that's not the movie's fault. Sometimes that's, you know, I I definitely push myself and don't sleep enough. Um, But at the time, it felt like it was the movie's fault. I I did feel very bored with a lot of it. but yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm excited for Babylon. I'm very excited to get to go see it, um, and then I'll you know I'll have a better sense of it. And it's only a couple weeks away; it's two Mondays, I think, uh, or three Mondays, and I get to see it. So, yeah, I'm banging on the door for screeners or the awards. These uh, critics bodies I'm now part of uh, putting the word out now to get on board with um, Babylon early. I'd love to see it early and put my thoughts into the into the ring jb i'm looking forward to hearing what you think but um that's my story john what have you gone for um well i i saw the whale a couple of weeks ago you did? and uh I, this headline kept popping up on uh different feeds and it's brendan Fraser says grim history with the golden globes means he will not attend even if he's nominated for best actor there um i didn't know what that history was uh the mm-hmm. headlines kept re- referring to him saying things like he's not a hypocrite his mother um, I'm trying to find the exact quote about his mother. Um, where is it? The uh, I, said, I my mother didn't it. raise a hypocrite. Raise a hypocrite. You can call me a lot of things, but not that. And I'm like, okay, when did you say you wouldn't like go? I was like, I, I'm not questioning him. I'm just like, I, I don't remember what you said previously. Um, and so I, I went reading into this article from uh, independent.co.uk. Um, and a few years ago, uh, it doesn't say what year he said this. It just, it literally says a few years ago, Frazier in an interview with, uh, G2, I think is the, what I'm uh, seeing GQ. there is, is, Oh, that's a Q. Oh, my bad. Yeah, that's a very fancy Q. Um, <laughs> Frazier discussed being, uh, his abrupt and sudden retreat from the public eye, sharing startling allegations against former, um, uh, Hollywood foreign press association president and member Philip Burke. Uh, he claimed that in 2003, Burke had assaulted and groped him at a luncheon and Burke denied, uh, calling Fraser the County total fabrication, but that is the the history that he has with the for, uh, Hollywood Foreign Press. Um, obviously, that's very reasonable reason not to yeah. to back them, and that's okay. Yep, it makes perfect sense. So I didn't re- I didn't recall that story. I kind of vaguely now re- remember hearing it. I think that came out around the same time as the Me Too movement was starting, like back in twenty eighteen. Um, um, yeah, because it says a few years, and that is technically a few years but i'm not 100 percent because again the Brendan article Fraser, terry cruz came out in similar times with um with their uh experiences too which you know um so yeah uh I, and i think there's been a lot of calls 
to not do Golden Globes. There's a lot of people who advocate against them that the Hollywood Foreign Press, even just the way in which they nominate things, everything about it, it's been kind of under the under scrutiny. Um, it, so much so that didn't NBC drop them for like a year? Like they didn't uh, do the awards last year, I think. I think so, yeah. so like there's a lot, maybe we should stop talking about the Golden Globes. Like for a while it had, it had been like the second tier here in the States. Like it's like Golden Globes, then the Oscars uh, above them. Why? Like let's, get rid of them if it's this uh, controversial in so many ways and so but brandon frazier does say in the article of course that he is going to promote and go for the oscar um and i think he has a shot man his performance in the whale is impressive um, i think he's got it in the bag oh ooh, I, I do you heard it here first austin butler is i think austin butler is superb as elvis and i know we, we all know that the academy loves a, a biopic performance but I think with Brendan Fraser, I think he really is very good and, you know, certain moments really sell it. But also there's the, and uh, Hollywood loves a, loves a comeback, doesn't it? Uh, There's also that kind of romantic side of it. I do honestly, though, generally think if you ask me now to pick who I think would be best actor at this, on this day, I think Brendan Fraser will win it, but we've still got, we've still got two months of potential competition to go. Yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, uh, but um, Golden Globes are. Do the Globes get a lot of talk over there? No, uh, not really. I mean, in in the in the kind of film circles or hashtag film Twitter and all that lot, talk about it because it's you know it's film related, and I will yeah. I'll, I'll check it the next day. Or to be honest, <laughs> I remember the last year. I think I forgot about them. It wasn't until I saw people online talking about the Globes where I realised, oh, great. But no, it's it's not a big deal over here. I mean, it, it may get it may get slight coverage on the on the entertainment news it's not you know the the papers don't cover it or you know the if that's a thing anymore the papers but (laughs) the entertainment websites will cover it but it's not anywhere near as fervent as um as of of course the oscars or even the baftas of course our our own version of that but um but even they even the bafta coverage isn't anywhere near as um excitable as what the oscars gets over here oscars is we've said it so many times on this show whether or not you care for awards or believe that they're a you know a good way of uh, honoring movies or whatever you want to call it i love the oscars man it's just something about i just love the whole you know it's just a day or one night to celebrate the last year that's gone all the films that you know john talking for me and john the films that we've watched you know hundreds a year it's quite nice to kind of sit down and think okay what how many of our favorites you know made it to the to the big deal how many of the bampy winners are also going to take home the lesser oscar but um yeah the 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 golden globes do they don't really get a big deal made over here and i'm not but you know i don't really care who wins the golden i know people say it counts towards it gives you a, tr- a clue of who's going to win the Oscars, but I don't really care about yeah. the Globes. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Um, and for Brendan Fraser's comments, it's a very good reason for him not to turn up. And I, I applaud him for standing by his guns, especially uh, in a year where, you know, he's going to do quite well on the award circuit. You've got yeah. to imagine he's going to win quite a bit. And that is something new for Brendan Fraser. Let's be honest in, in terms of these bigger awards, not the kind of low, the smaller sci-fi action awards, these, these bigger awards. It's a new thing. So you'd be, you know, you'd be forgiven for thinking he'd want to be at all of them to get himself out there, especially in front of the voters and to soak up this moment. Cause I know he's got Scorsese's film next year, but uh, who knows when it's the same with any actor. It's not just Brendan Fraser, but who knows when you're going to get this chance again. But I, you know, I, I respect a hundred percent his decision, uh, especially given the awful experience uh, that he had. And also the, also the, the crap that he went through, he had, he fell off the radar because of it. 
um, yeah. because of the uh, the support he got, but also necess- not necessarily the in the not everybody was as supportive as you can imagine. Uh, yeah. So he jumped off, so he fell off the radar. Now, of course, he's back. We've got the the Brendanessence, the Brendanessence, whatever you want to call it, and I'd love it to be topped off with with a golden statue at the end of the year, the Oscars. But no, I'm. You know, I'm not that he needs my validation, but I'm fully behind his reasoning for doing it, John, for not attending. Yep. There it is. Um, let's move to our next segment, which is media consumption. This is movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc., that we have been re- uh, consuming since the last time we recorded. Matt, what have you uh, been able to indulge in? My cup of tea, just as you were talking then, actually. Um, I've not not an awful lot, because as I was saying at the top of the show, I've been checking the UK release dates for, because I've got a spreadsheet, because I love a spreadsheet, of all the upcoming films. I start at the beginning of the year, and I kind of plot what I'm going to watch and what I'm going to review and what I'm not going to review. Um, and November is, there's a few films I'm yet to see in November, and I've been checking the date, and they all come out pretty much from the 18th of november onwards in the uk there's gonna there's a ton that's dropping in this last 10 days um so this week has been very barren in the uk genuinely has other than black panther which maybe that might be the reason why because yeah they don't want to go up against you know the juggernaut that is black panther or just marvel but um in terms of listening i've listened to nightmare on film street podcast they've been doing um dark ass disney sort of disney releases or buena vista which are and are considered more horror films. So, uh, the watcher in the woods, which is a very, very strange film, which, uh, wasn't without controversy when it came out. It was a lot bleaker originally before Disney said, no way are we releasing this? Change it, change the ending. They got a whole new director in to change the ending. And, uh, it's fun to listen to them talk about it. And also something wicked this way comes was the one that came out. Oh yeah. Um, today, in fact, uh, upon recording. So I listened to that whilst at work this morning. So, uh, I, I always enjoy a good horror podcast, uh, especially one where I can get, learn something, but also have a bit of fun listening along the way. Uh, and I get that with those guys. If one film, John, one film this week, um, other than black Panther, Wakanda forever. I watched causeway, the Apple TV plus original with, Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, and I thought it was fine. You know, I thought it was, I thought it was good, but it was, I found it very kind of forgettable and I haven't really been thinking about it much afterwards. It started off quite intriguing and then it just became every other story with this subject matter. It felt a little bit um, mawkish at times and I don't know. It didn't, it didn't, it, it never really got out of second gear for me. It just, it didn't shift out of that gear. It just went through the motions. Jennifer Lawrence is good. Brian Tyre Henry is very good as well in this film. There's nothing wrong with the performances. It's just, they weren't really given an awful lot to deal with. And I don't think the film went as, I don't think it plummeted the depths as much as it could have done. It just felt a little bit service level, John. So Causeway was the other film I saw this week. So Black Panther Wakanda Forever wins this week. Uh, in terms of television, I watched Andor episode 11, which is continuing the uh, the rhetoric that this is the best show on TV, because it is. That's one of them. Uh, really good. Again, I'm going to say again, can't wait for next week's finale. And then I can say, John, that all 12 are out. Check them out one day. Uh, once we get past FYC season, check them out. Uh, Andor episode 11 was very good. I watched um, Zen, Grogu and the Dust Bunnies, the first collaboration between Lucasfilm and Studio Ghibli. And it was very sweet. It's two and a half minutes long. It's it's Grogu and the Dust Bunnies, you know, those little soot critters from My Neighbor Totoro. Um, oh, they're or, also in Spirited Away. And Spirited Away, yep. Um, 
it, it, it's it's very very sweet it's very cute it it's two and a half minutes you there's a reason why they really only marketed it two days out they put something out two days before yeah and they put a picture of grogu and miyazaki the day before because you know it's it's a cool little treat it's nothing more it, the trailer would have been longer than the the, the shore but yeah it was cool you know it was sweet it's very well hand-drawn animated very nice uh and i also watched i'm going to speak about this shortly but i also watched willow episode one and two oh. the upcoming lucasfilm disney plus original streaming series based on the 1988 film uh called willow obviously now i cannot say a word about this film we're under very strict embargo other than social media embargo um uh, which we've been relatively silent on for quite good reason as well um just let's just say if if there was a positive reaction we would have said um so yeah not going to say anything oh. else about willow episodes one and two um oh, no. but I'll, I'll speak more about that experience shortly but i want to know what you've been checking out john there's one film on this list which i'm looking forward to seeing in the next few days but you've Before, been there and done it were you a fan of the the movie willow I, I didn't mind the movie i didn't mind the movie i thought it was very charming and of its time it doesn't really hold up as well um but um yeah fans of the film may be surprised by what they see in the series i haven't seen the film in a long time but as a kid i really liked it i think i even had like a nintendo game for it yeah there was Um, a game and i was i was really a fan of that idea i don't even think i watched it a lot i just remember really liking it um and I haven't seen it though, probably since I was a kid. So I, I I've been kind of like wanting to go back to it because I I think I had forgotten it existed for a while, and then it was like, oh yeah, and then I just never went back to it. But like Val Kilmer, um, Warwick Davis, I mean, I loved him as a kid, uh, but who knows? Um, so for me though, uh, Blank Check just completed the Stanley Kubrick series with Eyes Wide Shut. Um, the episode's very good. Uh, David Ehrlich is the guest on that episode. Um who, you know, I'm a fan of his writing. Yep, uh, it's fun to hear that uh, he's been on the show several times. I think this is like his seventh or eighth uh, appearance on Blank Check. Um, and it's it's a good episode as per usual. Uh, we're about to go into, um, is it Henry Selznick? Uh, who, Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah. James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. Um, so excited to, to do a, a shorter series. And I haven't seen James and the Giant Peach. Um, I have not seen... Uh, the newest movie, the Wendell and Wild, I think is what the uh, the Netflix. Uh, I haven't seen that one. Um, I've heard good things, and then um, I think I'm missing one more. Oh, I've never seen his live action movie with Brendan Fraser, Monkey Bone, um, which apparently <laughs> is going to cost me like ten bucks to watch because uh, it is not it's not easy to find on DVD, and I can rent it for like four bucks, which I probably will because it's not a well regarded film, but um. I'm curious to see it because I love Brendan Fraser and I've seen a lot of Brendan Fraser's kind of sillier movies and he is, he likes to have fun in movies. And I think sometimes yeah. actors who can do what he does take themselves too seriously and won't do those kind of crazy movies like Bedazzled or Encino Man. So I kind of like Monkey Bone's probably fun. Um, probably bad, but probably fun. Uh, so I want to check that out. Um, it's hybrid animation because I think he, he has like, an, he's an animator in the movie. So I'm sure it's uh sells next stop motion superimposed onto frames or something but mm-hmm. i i don't know for sure how it because it's it's the only one i think he's done that's not stop motion um but obviously i've seen Coraline, i've seen nightmare before christmas and he is uh heavily involved with leica studios uh origin if i recall correctly so um 
but movies I've seen a lot. So uh, blank check. I'm also a uh, Patreon member, and they had sure. been doing Roger Moore's James Bond films, and I got uh, the 31 Days of Halloween basically made it where I was not able to watch any of the Bond films. So I had been back cataloging the episodes. So I have now caught up. I've seen all of the Roger Moore James Bond films. Uh, For your eyes only, and a view to a kill. <laughs> um, what? So I have my letterbox diary up on my my board at work, and my students saw that I saw uh, the, that that notoriously named Roger Moore Bond film, and they're like, "What is that?" And I'm like, "So here you go. It's <laughs> arguably the worst name title ever." Um, and the thing that I had I'd always heard of this movie, uh, Octopussy. And obviously there's jokes right away without with having no context as a kid. Like you're like, what? Cause it's clearly not a good name. What I'd never in a million years would have guessed, Matt, is that the character runs a circus in the world of James Bond. And the circus's name is that <laughs> never. This is what you've been missing out on doing all these years. Why on earth would that be the name of the circus? Oh man, it's so, there is an octopus. Uh, everybody, in case you're wondering, but um, still, but still, I knew uh, what they were doing. I mean, or did they? I mean, that's the thing. Like, did. did they? They it was intentional. <laughs> I'm not questioning that. But did they know what they were doing? Because it's just come on. Um, <laughs> Eventually, this it, it, it ste- oversteps the absurd line where you're probably right. Where <laughs> it wasn't probably wasn't a laugh, which they thought. Oh yeah, okay. A View to a Kill is the last one. So I watched all three of those on in one day. I just I binged the Saturday. I just was committed to getting through the Roger Moore Bonds while I, I was grading papers and stuff because um, I'm just kind of I'm just casually watching them. I uh, didn't love the Roger Moore Bonds in general. Don't dislike them. But for me, the Daniel Craig Bonds uh, definitely hit the tone that I'm looking for in a spy movie. Um, and it's not to say they can't be fun. I just feel like I can't tell if they're supposed to be serious or fun. And I think that's my issue with the Roger Moore Bond. Sometimes it feels like they want us to take them seriously. And then other times it feels like it's a, it's, it feels like a self parody, um, which then when you realize, cause I've seen all the Austin Powers movies that the Austin Powers movies pull a lot from the Roger Moore Bonds. <laughs> they say, you're like, what's going on? Did they know they were getting silly? I mean, it's, it's wild. Um, my wife though, we're already full into Christmas mode. And, uh, she was like, do you want to watch Christmas vacation? I was like, it's kind of early, but I couldn't say no. And so we watched for like the millionth time National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. That movie just holds up. Even it was this, like, I really have soured on Chevy Chase as a human being, um, Mm -hmm. given all of the stories, especially all the stuff connected to community, which is a show that I adore. Um, and how he was just apparently like the worst person for all of the staff to work with. Um, uh, I, I still love Christmas vacation. I do think that is Chevy's best movie um, in my opinion. And uh, so it was fun rewatching that. But then as soon as it ended, um, I had planned on watching the new animated film on Netflix called my father's dragon that uh, yes. Jacob Tremblay. And um, I'm going to forget his name, but the kid that plays Dustin on stranger things are the two leads. Oh, um, oh he's got, a, he's got a, it's like an it's, Italian sounding name. I can't think what it it's is. Gatson, something Gatson. Uh, I always forget. He, I like him though. I like, he's my favorite part of stranger things. Um, him and Steve specifically. Um, I'm going to find out his name cause it's going to bug me. Uh, it's the same studio that did uh, Wolfwalkers a couple years ago that I really That's loved. That was good. my favorite animated film from 2020. And then they did another movie. I've never seen the secret life of gels or something like that. Um, I always no, forget. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen it. 
Uh, but I, I like this a lot. I think the animation is really cool. Um, I think the story is solid. Uh, there's a lot of good voice acting in it too. It's not just those two. Like there's so many people in this movie. Um, definitely worth watching. It's, 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 uh, it's not my favorite animated movie of the year, but it's, it's up there. It's high on the list. Um, I mentioned uh, when I went to the Florida Film Festival, I saw No Bears, which is the um, Jafar Panani uh, film um, from mm-hmm. this year. And uh, Sean, Big Tuna, recommended that I check out his documentary from 2010, uh, 2011, but it, it was filmed in 2010, um, I think, uh, where it's called This Is Not a Film. It's just over an hour long. And um, I bought it on DVD. It was like 10 bucks I had to get from Amazon because it's not on streaming anywhere. And it's, uh, it's the film he made uh, kind of in secret um, because he was under arrest. He was uh, appealed the arrest and was living at home. But he was ba- he had been charged with six years um, for propaganda against the, the government in Iran and a 20-year ban on making films. So he wasn't supposed to film. He's working within the constraints because he's acting and he they was not told he couldn't act. It was said he could not make films. Uh, so he has another person filming him. But it's a really compelling documentary where he's trying to basically, since he can't make his last script, he's telling us what the movie was supposed to be. And you just get, it's so, so insightful. It's so compelling. There are moments where it's, it, he kind of blurs the line where you can't quite tell if it's a documentary or not. Um, and my favorite thing, though, is on the back of the DVD when I got it, because I didn't really know what it was, but it's, uh, this movie was filmed in secret on an iPhone. And then snuck across the border in a cake <laughs> to France, where okay. it was then entered in the Cannes Film Festival and, and got its recognition um, back in, I think, 2012. So I was just like, what? That's wild. Like, it's it, uh, they apparently smuggled out the movie in a cake, which is like, that's something he definitely saw in a movie. Because there's you're in his living room, and he has a huge DVD collection. And the only DVD I could make out was Buried with Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, that's that's a weird movie for him to have on the shelf. Like I've never seen it. I know what it is. I've been meaning to watch it because I like Ryan Reynolds, but it's not one that's like usually on people's high list. And I'm just like, it's I hard. mean, granted he might've been given a screener. Maybe it was the only thing he had. And he had a lot of movies. It was just the one where like, there's a shot where I could clearly see the cover for buried. I'm like, that's weird that all these movies, the only one I can tell for sure is buried. And I was just like fixated on it. But um, I, I really enjoyed the film and it was definitely worth my $10 and I'm planning on actually teaching it as well. So it, it pays off twice. Um, I had a four year consideration screener of the new Patton Oswalt film called I love my father. Matt, do you know about this movie? No, I feel like oh, I should. Oops. I'm sorry. It's called I love my dad. Uh, it's important that I on, name the movies correctly. Um, I think father sounds more uh, professional. Um, dude. Okay. So the premise is, uh, a father uh, has has been cut off by a son. Like his son will not talk to him. He won't communicate with him. So out of desperation to stay in contact with his son, the father catfishes him. He creates a profile of a girl about his son's age and messages him and starts a relationship. The way it's filmed is what I really loved. Uh, So the girl uh, that he's made this fake profile is an actress in the movie and when the boy is like texting her or messaging her on his computer, he is visualizing her sitting next to him. So she's actually the actress is there and they're having the conversation that is being played out in text. But so like we get to actually see it. It's not just reading yeah. a screen the whole movie. And um, and then when we're in Patton Oswalt's perspective, he is having the conversation that's sometimes very awkward with his son sitting in the room with him. So it's like back and forth between the two. And uh, it, it adds for some 
really funny moments that is also incredibly dark and very cringeworthy at times where you're just like, oh my God, why is this happening? But it's it's really good. Uh, it's it's definitely not for everyone. It's dark comedy. Um, there are going to be moments where you are secondhand embarrassed, but also there's going to be moments where you're just like, why are you like this? What are you doing? <laughs> um, but I think it's definitely worth checking out, uh, I, especially if you're a Patton Oswalt fan. Uh, Lil Rel How- Howery is in it as well. He's not no, a major uh, moment, but he gets a few really great scenes. I love him. I wish they'd give him more movies uh it seemed like he was going to get that big bump after get out and he hasn't been able to find like that leading role that really clicked for everybody but man he's funny and i just he shows up he's in another ifc movie um with allison brief uh oh spin me round i think is what it's called which he's he's also really good in that but he's barely in it again and it's like man just somebody give this guy the the break he deserves um but the movie that you want to hear about, Matt, oh, man. is the new Ryan Johnson film, uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Um, this debuted at a few festivals, uh, so we're not under embargo, but I just got to see it on the big screen last night. It's coming out on Netflix in December, I think December 23rd, uh, but it's going to yeah. have a very limited run. I think it's one week only in theaters on November yep. 21st. And obviously, it's going to be a limited theater, too. So it's, it's probably only going to be big cities uh, if you're lucky enough to be in a theater, especially if you like Knives Out. I think you're going to love Glass Onion. I, yeah. I I heard some of the critics at the at the thing last night um, who loved Knives Out thought this was a little less than. For me, it was equal. I had such wow. a blast watching this. I, I admittedly, apparently, am a huge Daniel Craig fan. Um, <laughs> I, 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 he's my favorite Bond. And I don't think he's, I don't think all of his movies are great, but I tend to like him and man, yeah. him doing the Southern thing is Playing so wall fun. Wall. I mean, him, that and Logan Lucky, I think both, <laughs> they're different. They're different. Like they're not the yes. same exact accent, but man, there's so much greatness in this movie, but it's him who I love. I love him so much. And I, I actually like every performance in this film, but Janelle, Jan, Janelle Monet, my God is is so great um and i man i went in very hopeful i'm obviously a ryan johnson fan i i uh constantly um give him praise i'm one of the supporters of last jedi which i know is controversial mm-hmm. um but i i just had so much fun like i i laugh at movies like all the time i'm not afraid to laugh but i have made uh, i have a story about brendan and Sean, two, you know, Sean is, I talk about all the time. Brendan, I think I've talked about, but uh, we saw nice guys. I was sitting between them. They are the two loudest laughing people I know. Like, not, not an exaggeration. They both laugh so, so loud. And uh, at at nice guys, people were staring at us. And I was like mouthing apologies to the people at the theater with us because my <laughs> friends were so loud. But I was also laughing, but never at that volume. Um, last night at the screening, I think it was Brendan and I who were the the obnoxious laughers in the film. Even though Tuna was there too, I I was I couldn't control myself laughing. I was having a blast. I love the humor, but I also love the mystery. I think I think uh, Johnson has mastered the whodunit genre, and I thought that with Knives Out, and I thought that with this, um, it, it's one of those things because there's a lot like when I saw Bodies, 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 which plays like it wants to be a whodunit. Yeah. I was watching that movie furious because I'm like, nothing will make sense. There's no way any of these people could be guilty. 
And I won't say what happens in Bodies, 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 but it surprised me, and I was very pleased at the end. It's not a whodunit, though. This is a whodunit, and you can solve the mystery, just like you could in Knives Out, but you could also not, because it, Ryan Johnson's smart, and it, it may not click for everybody, but I like that you could. I like that it's an option. And I think that's an important part of the genre is that you, if you're, if you're a person who watches a movie with all this uh, attention and you're looking for clues, could you solve it is a big part of the question. It's one of the reasons why uh, Sixth Sense holds up with multiple viewings and Saw doesn't because Saw is just like, yeah, all this was there. It's like, but it wasn't. You're like, oh no, it wasn't. But we're telling you it was a good whodunit. The clues are there. And if you're astute enough, you might catch them. I love that because it, it engages me in the storytelling because I am wanting to, I want, can I best Benoit Blanc? I sure hope so. I don't think I can, but I hope so. You know, <laughs> I, I just so much fun watching this. Like every minute I was engaged, I was having a blast. Um, the performances all across the board are great. Uh, I cannot wait for this to drop on Netflix because I will definitely be watching this again. Oh, man, if I trust anyone in the world with films, it's John Burke. So to hear that you had such a blast is is music to my ears. I loved Knives Out. It was number one for me that year, but then Marriage Story came out and just about pipped it because that film, that's a fantastic film. But Knives Out is... Um, is uh, if Kenneth Banner's watching, I'm sorry, dude, that's, this is how you make murder mysteries. Yeah, oh, um, my God, yes. Yeah, and I love how um, Benoit Blanc is... He is kind of like a Poirot in that, you know, the, uh, from what I understand, oh, yeah. that, you know, the cases are, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're linked as much as you want it to be, but they're kind of almost like Benoit Blanc just gets moved around the world to different cases. And this is going to be his case for now. It just You don't need to necessarily watch Knives Out or whatever's going to come next to know what's going on. It's just, you may, maybe it'll give you a bit more help. I don't know, but I am so, so, so excited to hear it to, for this, John. Um, I was, I've been on the, in the emails to Netflix about this, uh, and they've said there will be there are early screenings, which we're going to find out about very very soon. So uh, yeah, I'm hoping to see this. Like it's like, like you guys, we're getting a very small uh, theatrical release. So if 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 those dates don't work out, I'll definitely be seeing it within the next week. I cannot. Well, I've been looking forward to this since it was announced, John, and to hear My you of all people. Oh, oh, go, yeah. oh, go on. No, go please. Oh, it's not a, not about the movie. And I don't know if this was the theater that showed the screening or if this is a Netflix screening. Oh, yes. I've not been to a lot of Netflix screenings. The aspect ratio at our screening was off where you could see the top of their head was going past the screen. And uh, there's a t there's only like one title card in the film that like gives us information about when something is happening. And mm. half of the date was cut off on the bottom of the Gee. screen. So okay, like, throughout the bad. film, I'm like watching and I'm just like, I know this is not the full image because I know Ryan Johnson's filmmaking and like he would not cut off someone's head in a long shot. Like he wouldn't do that. Um, so you are doing it and that upsets me. And I don't usually get hung up on stuff like that, but it was like every time where it was obvious, I was like fuming, just like, I'm, I'm so grateful to see this on a big screen, but for you to chop off parts of the frame on the big screen is infuriating to me. Um, so, and again, I don't know if I've never been to the theater that did the screening. So I don't know if it's that theater or if it's a Netflix thing, which I've also, I've not been to a Netflix screening. I, I was supposed to see Bardo last week and I skipped it. It would have been at the same theater. None, <laughs> yeah, no one said if that. that was also having the problem. So I hope where you see it, Matt, they get the aspect ratio um, correctly. Cause that's, I, mean, I hope so, because this is, especially if you've gone to see a, a, a screen, a screener of, if it's an advanced screener, 
They've got to get that damn thing right. If it's yeah. even if it's a short theatrical release, you've got to get it right. Um, but I'll tell you though, um, uh, all I was going to say, my friend, is if you yeah. say it was great, and I know how much you enjoyed Knives Out, just like me. I'm in. I'm in. The theater, uh, it, the theater we were in is a uh, like a dine-in theater. So like we had like wait wait staff at the beginning of the movie, but Netflix was being so like secure about it that the wait staff was not allowed to be in the the theater once the movie started. So like they were like rushing orders and like so like you, it's you pretty wild. Them. Yeah, it was, I did. Uh, I was like immediately like yes, I will take one, please. Uh, and um, but like that, it was like because. I guess that theater too, they do like unlimited popcorn if you order popcorn there, but you weren't going to get more because they weren't coming back in the building unless you went out and got it yourself, I guess. But um, Fair enough, I did not I get popcorn. I just got a drink uh, to, to chill and enjoy this excellent, excellent film. Uh, with Come that, I can't, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I almost, listeners, I, I this is a good rule of thumb. Matt yes. went to the London Film Festival where Glass Onion did play. And I couldn't remember if he had seen it or not. Uh, and I, I, instead of messaging him my reaction to the film, I messaged him, "Did you see this?" And he was like, "No," because it was a, it was everybody wanted to see it, so I couldn't get in. And I'm so glad I did that because I could have just messaged like, "Can you believe this?" And he would have been John so sent mad me a message. Me. He said, "I couldn't believe Benoit Blanc killed everyone with his bare hands and ate them for breakfast." I thought, I said, "Come on, man! I didn't need to know that." He didn't send that. That's not a spoiler. But um, for, yeah, I'm very grateful for, for his uh, uh, for your early warning. Tuna, Tuna saw this at TIFF, and for weeks yeah. he would randomly message me something that was clearly not an actual spoiler. I think one was like Robert De Niro's the killer. Robert De Niro is not on the cast list for this movie, everybody. So, like, he would just message me stuff like that, like Glass Onion, this is blah. And like, dude, I know it's not the thing, but stop! Like, it is so I stressful. The hell out of his ass for that for, for that week. Uh, He'd be gone. <laughs> but that's it. That's what we've been consuming. We have stayed nourished on cinema as much as Matt was able to. I have obviously yeah. watched so many movies. Um, and the big question though is we expend all that energy. We consume all this stuff. How do we keep our bloody awesome levels high enough that we can continue to do this podcast week after week? Matt, what have you done to stay bloody awesome? Well, I've kind of mentioned mine already. It was the Willow special screening in London. Um, we got uh, an invite from, from Lucasfilm themselves and Disney plus UK must shout them out as well to go to the Kurtz and Zoho on Shaftesbury Avenue in London, just off of Chinatown um on a very wet very rainy night in in london which was new but um yeah we, we went along to that and they were screening the first two episodes of willow which drops on disney plus around the world on november the 30th um i don't know if the first two episodes drop or not if it's just one i imagine it's both on the same day but um so as i said as a global embargo we could give our social media reaction we have given minimum um but yeah, the event itself was was great. It's always nice to go out to get out to, to events like this because um, scre- screenings are cool. You know, most of the screens I go to are cool. But you, you, go, you, you go in, sometimes you'll have something on the seat waiting for you. Other times you don't. You just sit down, watch the film, get out. Sometimes you're asked to fill out a card. Sometimes you're not. Blah blah. Whereas this was green. You, know, you turn up. You've got the all of the cast were there. Aaron Aaron Kellyman was there. Enfys Nest in Solo: A Star Wars Story. You know, looking in there, everyone's looking great. I walk past Aaron. You know, I said, hey, Erin, how you doing? And she sort of looked at me extremely bewildered and surprised and said, oh, hello. <laughs> because of course, we were in the press, the, the, we were in the um, 
the uh, what's it called the red carpet area by mistake. So I think she's kind of thinking, ah. do I know you? Uh, and then same with Warwick Davis as well. Said hello to Warwick. He was mobbed oh, though man. by people. Um, yeah, but it wasn't the kind of event where you'd be like, oh, it wasn't the moment. Can, can I have a picture or could you come on the show? He says, you know, it's pretty chill. Um, yeah, we got to see that, and we had, we had a cast. There was a cast introduction, and John Kasdan, uh, the son of Larry Kasdan, who's the showrunner and director of Willow, came on to introduce the episodes. He also introduced the series and spoke about how the, it came to be when he met Warwick Davis on the set of Solo: A Star Wars Story, because he wrote that alongside Larry Kasdan and kind of pitched the idea of you know let's do Willow. How about it? And um, yeah. The it drops at the end of the month. I know there's a f- quite a few people who are very excited for it because it plays into their childhood. Being a 1988 film, there's a lot of nostalgia, and it's a cult classic. Willow is, and um, I didn't know what to expect from the series. Again, total embargo, so I can't say anything about it. But I am very interested, generally very interested to see what the what the fans of the film think, but also just like, just the general audience themselves. That's what I'm looking forward to most. Coming off of certainly rings of power and house of the dragon how we're going to get how we're going to react to something like this i mean even andor if you want a disney plus comparison andor is very very good and i'm looking forward to seeing what people think about the willow show but no trip to london john got to meet up with a couple of um, our friends other uk content creators star wars content creators um got to have a ch- uh, some chinese afterwards just to that's what it's all about it's having a great night with good people and soon you yeah. and i will be doing that my <laughs> friend but uh, the Willow event, the Willow special screening in London was how I've been staying bloody awesome, but you've got a very interesting way of staying bloody awesome see, this week. Well, see, the fun thing is, it, it just looks like two positive words, goody-goody. Yeah. But no, Matt, it's the name of a diner that I had uh, a very fun dinner with, Big Tuna, Camden, oh, uh, both both critics at the the Critics Association of Central Florida, and then uh, our friend Brendan and his girlfriend Brittany, and my uh, editor David. Uh, we the six of us met before the movie, and um, this tuna had told me this this burger place. It's a diner, but like they have the best diner burger. Yeah. And so he's like, "This is in Tampa. We got to go to this goody goody." I'm like, "All right, cool." So we got there on time. We got in there. Um, they they have like the smash burgers. But they have uh, their secret sauce is oh, it's not quite a like marinara sauce, but it's like that type of saucy like tomato sauce um, that goes on their burger. So I got their their goody goody like classic with the sauce, onions and pickles, um, double yeah. patty because they're smash burgers. So you got to have the double patty, in my opinion. You do. And then uh, David and I split a, a giant plate, dude, of loaded fries. Um, so <laughs> much just cheese. How big the portion was? Dude, I was like, because it says side. It was like a side of fries was like three bucks, and a side of uh, the loaded fries was six bucks. And Dave's like, "Do you want to split them?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's cool," you know. And then it, it was like both of us had like a full normal side of fries. Like if if I had ordered that for myself, it would have been way too much food. So I'm glad he <laughs> suggested that we split it. Um, but it was like it was fries with cheese and bacon and jalapenos on it. Oh, and then um. I, I didn't I wanted to do this I didn't indulge uh tuna said that this diner also like famous pies like their pies are top tier and he got a coconut cream pie and it looked phenomenal I really kind of regret not getting a slice but I'm hoping to get to go to more screenings at this theater because the theater also was very nice mm. um and it the theater is a I mentioned it was a dine-in theater but they had like lobster thermidor I think on the freaking menu um it was quite nice isn't it I was like what uh, so I can't imagine like I don't it was something it wasn't like the actual traditional lobster thermidor but some kind of lobster dish I'm like well, this is a movie theater but 
it's going to be hard to ever like not go to goody goody now because I really want to try some of their other food too. And the burger was great, but uh, just the company was great. We had really fun conversations, uh, talking, having you know before the movie, getting hyped up about the film. That's what it's all about. Right. It, it, that camaraderie. I, I'm so grateful to be a part of the Critics Association. And it's all the more rewarding that one of my graduates helped found it. But like the, the guys in it are great. And uh, I don't get to see the Tampa guys very often because I'm usually going to the Orlando stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was fun going to the Tampa one and, and, and meeting. The, I, I know Tune, obviously, in Camden. I, I know well enough. Uh, this is the most I've really got to talk to him. I don't think I've, I've got to really sit down at a dinner table with him. Uh, so we had a really good time. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's the, my favorite part about going to the theater is getting to talk to people who also love movies. And that's what last night was all about. That sounds wonderful. So like I say, that's what it's all about. If you can go out, watch some films, have some good times, have some good food, have a good, have a good laugh. Then, you know, what <laughs> genuinely there's nothing better. And it doesn't always have to be films. It can be a gig you're going to whatever, but it's lovely when it's yeah. about a film because, Hey, look, you can come out and talk about how good the gig was with the film you can sit in your car sit in your truck and you can dissect that you can break that down and somebody might hate it somebody might love it then you've got conversation there dude exactly um and that's our episode folks uh next week you're gonna get to quote michael scott because that's what she said uh (laughs) we will be talking about the film she said a movie i got to see at the uh, miami uh, international film Fe- or i'm sorry it's miami film festival gems um a few weeks ago but it's now in theaters everywhere uh so matt and i are gonna see it and talk about it on our next episode uh don't miss what she said um and what we thought about it uh no going in though it is about the the me too movement and the the reporters uh from the new york times who broke the story so uh, no going in. It can be tough. Uh, I've, it's been a little polarizing from what I've seen, but if you like movies like Spotlight, um, uh, All the President's Men, and I've even seen someone reference Zodiac, which I don't think of as a journalist movie, although it is. It is. I mean, the there first are thought. elements of it. I mean, to be fair, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, not technically a reporter. Robert Downey Jr.'s character is. He does. Yeah. Yeah, and he does act as a detective slash reporter in that film, but I definitely don't think of it. Uh, it yeah. Fincher's not there selling the power of journalism. That's not his. It's not his goal. Yeah, the first, the first half is, is is in the newsroom, and then it goes off in the second half, and it's well, it just stays consistently yeah. excellent. Again, I think the difference, like all the president's men, uh, spotlight, and the one that gets overlooked a lot, Spielberg's The Post. Um, those are movies that are advocating journalism. That is where she said belongs. It, it's not uh, Zodiac. I'm not saying there isn't journalistic stuff in there. I don't think Fincher's attitude is like journalist rule. I don't, and I don't think he's against yeah, him. No. I just don't think that's his point. Um, but as a journalist, those movies often work for me. So I'm excited to talk to you next week about She Said. Uh, but in the meantime, folks, you can follow us on social media um, on Instagram. We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod and Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. And if you still use Facebook, you can go to Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Um, on if you want to follow us individually, I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. Just search for What I Watch Tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd, and you'll find me googling Dustin from Stranger Things. His actual name is Gaten Matarazzo. Oh wow! I was wait- I knew the Gatton Gaten was in there, but I knew it sounded um, Italian. So between us, we got there. Hey, Italiano! Um, hey. Sorry, folks. I apologize for the Chris Pratt uh, <laughs> parody. Um, 
if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, despite that terrible impression, please rate and review the show. Uh, whatever podcast catcher you use, give us that five-star rating. It helps other people find us. Thank you again. And with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood,